0: This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: It is a Saturday morning here on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome into it. Good morning to you. Let's get you up and moving like we do every single weekend right here on the Big Talker. 1480 AM, 1025 FM KQAM. I'm Andy Hoosier. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We got a heck of a show lined up for you today. First and foremost, we have to say kudos to the Cedric County government for what they did with their decision yesterday. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We have some of the audio clips. We'll maybe try and get Jim Howell on the program next weekend to talk about the latest vote on not implementing another mask mandate within Cedric County. So well done on those guys. And we'll talk some more about that coming up on the show today. Open line to you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we'd love to hear from you today. This portion, as always, brought to you by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They'll be open in about 20 minutes here in Wichita, also online at philsqueens.com. Make sure and go and check them out. Coming up on the program today, this hour, hour number one, we're going to be talking election season. If you're not aware, there are some elections coming up on November 2nd, so make sure to get out and vote for those as we have some city council and school board candidates uh, running for seats coming up here in just a couple months. So we'll be talking uh, as we get closer. We'll continue to get uh, talk more about the upcoming election season. But this hour, we're going to be talking candidates, USD 259, with the Wichita School Board. I don't know if you're aware or not, but school board candidates and school board elections are kind of some of the most important elections we could be focused on right now, obviously with some of the stuff that's going on with uh, COVID and with how the schools are going to look this fall semester all over the country, really. Next hour, hour number two at the bottom of the hour at 1030, Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General. We'll have him on the program to wrap up the show today as well so it's going to be a big one i have some tickets to give away with upcoming state fair we have some goodies to talk about so we'll get to all that and more but in studio to kick off this hour from district number five for usd 259 candidate we have kathy bond here kathy how are you I am doing great. Get the get that mic a little bit closer. I don't that know. mic closer. It's, I don't know. There we, oh, there we go. There okay. we go. Had to boost that up a little bit. Good morning. It's good to see Hi, you. good
2: morning. It's good to
1: see yeah, you. Yeah, it's again. been a while since we've had you in the in the show in the studio. So getting all geared up. I cannot believe that we're getting closer to election season already.
2: It is less than ninety days. I have a calendar. I believe it's eighty. Oh, it might be in the seventies yet. Wow. So, yeah. It's it's gonna and it's gonna go fast, especially after September twentieth. Yeah. Because that's when you can put your yard signs out in your yard.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. It's, it's coming up now. You guys were going to have some primaries uh, last month, but we did not have any elections or uh, primary elections for school board, correct? That's correct. We yeah. just
2: go straight to the general.
1: Yeah. Just not enough candidates.
2: <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of us. I mean, there's four of us. Yeah. That are running for four open seats on the board. So I, th- there's actually, I think, two districts that might have three people running.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting election because I think more people are focused on school boards nowadays than ever before. I mean, I've never seen so much news about people showing up to school board meetings, voicing their opinion all over the country. it, It seems like, especially with COVID, we've had... Administrators wanting to impose masks back on children. We see parents showing up angry about masks for children. We have critical race theory that's been a big topic for public schools. I mean, the, the public school mindset has kind of been in the news lately quite a bit, hasn't it?
2: It has. And I'll tell you, I did not want to do this. Yeah. I, I didn't. Going but, into the hot seat. Well, you know, I am. And, you know, you feel vulnerable when you start running for a race because everything is exposed. Not that I have anything to hide. Sure. I don't. But I, you know, I'm a substitute school teacher and i did get my COVID shot because i wanted to get back into the schools Mm -hmm. and i you know not that that was mandated but i just would feel safer for the kids if i was was you know covered okay you could say that and um i saw some things that really distressed me when i was there and and the more i started researching into it the more that i was convinced that yeah this is what i need to do to not necessarily bring change, but to prevent the change, yeah. that there are others that are really trying to push on the community and on our students and on our parents and on our teachers. Sure, You look at these parents that have actually the, the courage to approach a school board And then you see what happens in that. No wonder why so many parents are intimidated and afraid. Sure. And the parents I've talked with here so far, I said, if you had an issue, would you feel comfortable going to the school board with it? And they said, no way. No way. No. No." And that's one of the reasons that I am running is to be that advocate and that voice for parents. Going back to the mask mandate, it's very simple. If you wanna wear a mask, wear a mask. Sure. If you don't wanna wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Sure. So the parents that are upset that this mask mandate did not go into effect, please take a deep breath. You know, children are our very utmost concern. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I'm a great aunt. I'm an aunt. I understand. But let's just put the data over the fear, and your child is not going to die. I understand the fear (laughs) that we mothers have. I do. I get it. I get it. But for those parents that don't want to send their children to school with the mask, let him not do that. I'm I'm a pretty I'm pretty vocal on that. I stand very firm on that.
1: Well it's big. It's it's wild that we have the administrators, as you mentioned, wanting to take the power away from the parents. I mean, ultimately parents are the number one decision makers for their children on Absolutely. anything. When it comes Absolutely. to curriculum, when it comes to yes. what they're putting on their body, in yes. their body, whatever. It's the parents, not the administrator. I understand right. the administration, you know, worrying about liability, wanting to feel like they need to do protection, whatever, but at the end of the day. That's not their duty. It is right. the duty of the parents that's to make right. sure they're safe in one way, shape or form.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the buck stops with the parent, right? You know, I mean, that's my child. I am responsible for my child. Yep. I am not sending my child to school to receive health care. I'm sending my child to school to be educated so that he can be prepared to be a successful citizen, a law abiding citizen, right. wherever he or she chooses to live. Yeah. And you know, Boy, that's not going to happen if we keep letting it happen. You know, education shapes society. Exactly. And if you like the way society is going, then don't vote for me. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. yeah. If you like where we're going with our children, with their academics, do you know, Andy, that our school district number one? We are the third largest school district in our nation. Okay, not a lot. Wichita. Of people I was know not that. aware of that. Wow. Yes, two five nine is the third largest school district in our nation. Wow. Here's another fact for you. We are 2% below national average for our graduation rate. Mm. Now, nobody wants to tell us that. Sure. You know, and it costs $17,000 now for each student. Sure. Where just 20 years ago, it was maybe $7,000 per student. So all of this. I remember when we came on the radio about
1: five years ago. It was we we broke the record at like ten to eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. So so
2: it keeps going up. But how come the student graduation rates going down? You know the standard tests are going down. You know there was a point in time that two five nine was woo. We were way up there, and Florida was way down. Sure. Well, now look, it's flipped.
1: What's the cause? Do you think is it curriculum? Is it the lack of focus on the teachers? Is it more the bureaucratic state as opposed to the focus on the, the students. I mean, what, what do you think is causing so much money to go into it, but yet so little return on the investment?
2: It could be methodology. It could be just, it could be the current board of education. <laughs> you know, I, I would have to do some research with that Andy, but I do yeah. believe that parents and on my, on my little palm card right here, it says working to strengthen the voice of parents, Yeah, parents, they have got to have that voice, and if they do not have the courage to have it, I'll have it for them.
1: Yeah, it's wild that parents would be concerned or intimidated or scared to approach a school board and say, hey, I have a concern. I mean, the school board the school board should be the parents that are actually making up the school board saying, hey, you know, my kid's in the school. I want to make sure that it's, that it's good, and I want right. to hear from the parents, just a community of parents making decisions for their children at the well, school district. And it, it seems like there's this almost hierarchy that they want to have of we're above you, so we're going to make this decision. Thanks for the input.
2: Well, okay, look at it like this. Um, The Board of Education of any school district works for the community. Right. Not here. Hmm. And I think that parents are shamed for thinking differently than what some of the others do that are in power you could say sure and I really believe that you know if you truly have a servant's heart and you want to serve your community and you want to serve the students and the parents and the teachers do not forget those teachers man teachers are heroes to me huge yeah oh my gosh because I am a substitute teacher I talk with the teachers yeah and I hear and my my bonus daughter is a teacher in Andover and so I hear their concerns and you know what they I think that they would actually Okay, maybe they wouldn't do it for free. But they they love their job so much. They're so invested in these kids and their education that our teachers are not treated as the professionals that they need to be and they're they're being they're being told how to teach. Yeah. It's a script.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> the frustrating part is that they're told how to teach and I mean whether it's the curriculum or whether it's even the budget and their salary or the wages. I mean, we hear the argument about the schools need more funding to take care of the teachers. And then the last one that we saw, we saw like a 6% increase for administrators, like a one5 to 2% increase in salary for teachers, where that was the propaganda that was saying this is why we need to pay more taxpayer money into right. the system. I, I feel bad for the teachers because they get put between this rock and a hard place, and then they don't get taken care of. And then it's just used in, as another propaganda for later on down the road of, hey, school district, we need more money.
2: <laughs> You're right. We do not need more money. There is a <laughs> surplus of money in 259 right now. There really is. Yeah. And um, this is an interesting fact that um, I put this on my uh, campaign Facebook page. I received an email. The Kansas Department of Health and Environment received um, in April like some 80-something million dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, they proposed to give the schools of the state of Kansas a 70-something million dollars to make modules next to the school buildings filled with medical stuff, mm. nurses. If your child is having any symptoms during the day, they'll just go down there instead of the nurse's office, they'll go to this building. Sure. And they'll be they'll be checked for um um coronavirus. They'll be checked for the flu, or they'll be checked for strep throat. Sure. And I mean, this is where I draw the line. This is where I think no, this is an education building. Right. We have school nurses that can take care of this. Yes, and it—you know—I'd rather use that money for somewhere else. I yeah. mean, our teachers maybe uh, upgraded books maybe or equipment. Upgraded you know, books, science or experience. Yes, yeah, come on. Yes, because I'm—I'm so—I mean, I'm just—I get frustrated, but then I've got to take a deep breath, pull back. <sighs> okay, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. It's f- gonna be all right. Four of us are gonna be elected, and we're gonna be able to learn everything, and then collectively. Because we're going to have to get along with the board members that are still there. Which they're nice. I've met them. Sure. They're very oh, yeah. nice people. Sure. And um, collectively, you get together. It's not my way. It's, sure. it's the group.
1: It's figuring out the best way to move That's forward. That's right. Yeah. Let's take a break here real quick. When we come back, I want to talk about curriculum. What we can oh. do to tweak the curriculum, make it better, kind of figure out ways that we can fine-tune that to maybe raise that quality of education up. Just a little bit. We're talking with Kathy Bond, candidate for USD 259 School District, District Number 5 here in the Wichita area. If you want to call in, you can at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. It's Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQA. I'm happy Saturday. Let's get this going. back into Candace Talk here on The Big Talker, KQAM, 22 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out for a Saturday morning, trying to get you up and moving. Lots to get to today, so we're going to jump right into it as we're talking elections right now. This this may be an old one. Let's see here. Your choice, 2020. Pay attention. All right. well now it's 2021, but nonetheless, it's election cycle as we go into November 2nd, and it is an off-election season, which means there's going to be, unfortunately, less individuals paying attention, but... If we can get people to get motivated, which I think there are, I mean, oh, people yes. are focused on school boards and city council and county commission because that's where the mask mandates are coming from now. That's where the health orders are coming from uh, with these decisions. And I think more people are bringing politics back down to the local level right now, aren't? Don't you think? It needs
2: to be. That's where yeah. it starts. It doesn't yeah. start at the top. You exactly. Know, you don't get to the top by starting from the bottom. Exactly. Right. If you're going to climb a mountain, you're not going to start up there. Have a helicopter drop you off and.
1: Yeah. Where do you go? Unless you're snowboarding. Then you <laughs> snowboard down. Yeah, come on down that way. Do the hella, uh, hella, what is it? The hella skiing? They drop oh, you off? I'm not doing that. Oh, either. man. Oh, one of these days. One of these no, days, I'm no. going to. That's oh, going to no, be amazing. I
2: might be a risk taper. Not that one. Not that,
1: <laughs> not far, that but, one. Let's talk yeah. about curriculum for a second. Yes. Obviously, critical race theory has been a big one. But outside of that, uh, luckily, we haven't heard that discussion yet in the Wichita School District. Okay. Unless, unless you've heard something. I have. You have. I
2: have heard something. I heard it Thursday evening. That um, there is an elementary school, and I don't even know if I should even say the name, but a parent called a friend, and it's the friend that told me. This. Okay. And she was so excited that her daughter is being taught equity.
1: Ugh.
2: And um, Ugh. I know, I know. And, you know, people, it's equality, it's not equity. Um, and first of all, CRT. Is not even an academic subject. It's no. not like, okay, I'm gonna earn an A in CRT. Right. CRT is actually, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a theory. It's a way of thinking. Yes, it's a theory. It's a way of behaving yeah. in society. Right. It changes society. Didn't I just say that education changes society? And who better but to go through our kids because they grow up and they're the ones who are going to shape where we live the kids are are our future that's why i love subbing k through five because that's where it starts so critical race theory it's here in kansas it's here in wichita okay but it's not going to be spelled out crt right because those that are pushing for this oh they're good they're sly they will put (laughs) it in a different way where it doesn't look like that
1: you won't even know it
2: and i'm not saying it's brainwashing I, i i don't think that but you know if 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 you put a fish out, I mean, in the water. I mean, not a fish. Okay, get a, get a bird in water long enough, a bird's gonna think that it lives in water. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I Maybe mean, that's not a very good analogy. But I look at it like this: Have you ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments with Cecil B. DeMille and yes. how dramatic her effects were? Mm-hmm. Well, if you remember the Passover time, and you had to go into your home and put the blood of the lamb over the door, and if you didn't, then the
1: um, the spirit the, the was going to come and kill you. Yeah, kill right.
2: you. Well. This is how I see. This is just my my take, okay? This is nobody else's. My imagination. This is where I go. <laughs> right. And it's kind of like I think CRT like that spirit you saw the smoke come from mm-hmm. the sky and and it just kind of like quietly. It was very quiet.
3: Sure. And going
2: through the town and that's kind of like how I think of this new way of thinking. Sure. The, the CRT. Well, you're right. I
1: mean, if they're already talking about equity, which is a whole discussion, we could talk about that for an hour by itself, uh, how ridiculous it is to try and claim that you have some sort of equity. And that's how we're trying to gauge ourselves, which well, is really are dumbing
2: down our kids. Yeah. And I am tired of that because children have got so much more potential. Children are so much smarter than what we give them credit for. And instead of, see what, what, what we've been seeing is that, Instead of raising the child to the standards, they're lowering the standards to the child. I'm like, wait a minute. That is enabling. That is dysfunctional. That, to me, that just is not worthy of even, you know, but it needs to have attention to it. So, um, but the CRT, it's it's here. And um, people that know far much more than I are who I go to to say, educate me, tell me what's going on. And there was a child that came home from school in Wichita and said, "Mommy, why, why do white people hate black people?" Mm. And I thought, "Oh, for uh, crying out loud! Yeah. Children don't see color. Yeah, children just see it children. confuses them. It's
1: it's absurd. It, does. it confuses them.
2: You know, when you're raised in a home of equality and you love everybody, I mean, children do not see color. And this CRT is teaching children." to separate themselves and divide themselves among other people that are different than them.
1: Yeah. It's a deeper identity politics issue because identity politics is the specialty of the left and when they can get young children again like you said I mean children are so innocent they don't see any of that. They it never even crosses their no. mind until we tell them while well, we're trying to fight identity, politics, and racism, we teach it by saying, oh, look, they're different. Now you have to treat them differently, but they're the same as you kind of thing. It confuses the hell out of them, and they have no idea what to do.
2: There's a musical called South Pacific. Yes. Rodgers and Hammerstein. There's a song in there, and it says that we are taught to hate. Yeah. And, boy, isn't that true? And so CRT is teaching our children to hate. Yeah. And that that goes against every fiber of me because... We are to be unconditional and it doesn't mean you're going to like everybody, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be mean to people and beat them up on the playground and you know, you're know, you there to learn ABCs, one, two, threes, reading, writing and arithmetic. That's why I think you just need to get back to basics with Bond.
1: And that's Did what, you like I that? I like that. <laughs> Back to basics with Bond. Yes. I love it. We got 45 seconds. Where can people reach out to you? District number five for USD 259. How can people get a hold of you if they want to? I
2: have an email, which is kathybond2021 at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook campaign page, Kathy Bond for USD 259. And I'm going to be putting signs out if you'd like a sign, if you would like to help, if you would like to donate. I, I mean, I need all of the above. And I'm excited I'm very excited for the four of us. Like I said, there's Hazel Stabler, Diane Albert, Brent Davis, and Kathy Bond. And it's all or nothing, folks. The city of Wichita, it's all or nothing. You do not have to live in a certain district. You get to vote citywide for the four of them.
1: Citywide for all of them. Yes, sir. I love it. Well, good luck on the campaign. Thank you
2: so much for having me. We'll
1: get you back on before election time again, and uh, hopefully you're getting some good response out there. I Speaking am. of, we'll get Hazel back on the show here right after the break. Continuing our election coverage for election USD 259 here in the Wichita area right after the break here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM.
0: Welcome back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Brought to you by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They're officially open now until 2.30 this afternoon. Make sure and go and check them out. Also online at philscoins.com. They're really like one of the only companies in the entire Mid-America region that actually has gold and silver on hand right now because of the shortages. So go and check them out, Phil's Coins. whether it's for emergency funds, whether it's for the specialty coin that you want to get. They have it all. I I have one of those ancient coins, which is really, really neat. And uh, they usually have some of those in stock as well. Just to give you a little teaser, coming up sometime in the next hour, not going to say when, we have some tickets for you for the Kansas State Fair. The monster trucks that are going to be in the first weekend on Sunday afternoon next week. Uh, not next week. It's going to be the week of September 12th is the day, right? So I'm gonna, Yeah, September 12th would be the first Sunday of the Kansas State Fair. We have tickets to the monster trucks, and we'll give some of those away. We'll give a four-pack away to those in just a little bit. Stay tuned in for that here on Candace Talk. Let's continue our conversation with the elections. USD 259, as we mentioned, the school districts are a huge topic. I think a lot of people are focusing their attention on. Hopefully we get a good turnout for election cycle this year. Because of the decisions being made right now. So, as we just talked to Kathy Bond with district number five for USD 259 candidates, let's shift down uh, to the next district, district number six. And we have candidate for district number six for USD 259 in studio with us as well, Hazel, uh, Hazel Stabler in here. Hazel, how are you today? I am
4: doing well. Thank you for having
1: me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on here very much so. Um, first off, for those that may not know who you are, uh, talk about your background a little bit, where you came from, what you've done, and kind of what led you up to this point to want to run for uh, for school board.
4: Okay. I am retired, and I am married, and my husband is also retired. I have five children and four grandchildren, five adult children and four grandchildren. Fantastic. And I have lived, I I was born and raised in Kansas, Emporia, actually. Okay. And moved away for about 45 years, and n- nine years ago, retired and moved To Wichita, which is my husband's hometown, so we moved back here. I am a clothing designer, and I travel all over the country. I have, it's been my life mission to share my culture, which I'm Native American, share my culture through fashion. So how
1: cool. Yeah. So men and women's fashion. Yes. Oh, I need to talk to you. I totally want to get some uh, some <laughs> some garments going on here and rock the Native American thing.
4: Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's contemporary work based on traditional dress.
1: OK. How cool. Yeah. We're going to have to have some fun conversations about that. What tribe again? I'm
4: Yaki and Ojibwe.
1: OK. Are those both Kansas native? Oh, no. No.
4: I, I'm a, I'm an immigrant.
1: <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> I like so, it.
4: So uh, the Yakis are from Arizona. Okay. And actually, originated in Sonora, Mexico, and Mm. migrated to Arizona. Okay. And um, Ojibwe is my father's Ojibwe from Turtle Mountain. Sure. uh, Up north, and um, they they both are my families. Both sides of my families came to Kansas. To build the railroad.
1: Oh, gotcha. Okay. I have to admit, and we've talked a lot about this on the show, I I am absolutely fascinated and in love with Native American culture. I don't have much in me, but my wife is um, a, a lot of Native American in her, and we're trying to work on, we talked about a little off the air, uh, working on trying to get her um, her card to the, uh, to the tribe and to the... Uh, uh, reservation but I love love Native American culture we're going to have some yeah. have some fun conversations so, so about that. So
4: my life is is um centered around my culture. Yeah. And I participate I'm an active participant in uh, local and actually um state um not, do you, travel do you work- all over the country. Sure.
1: Do you work with the uh, the, the Native, Native American Center here in town at all?
4: Uh, No. Well, actually, I have an interesting story. My husband's father was one of the founders of the Indian Center. Oh, cool. Okay. Fantastic. So we have some roots there.
1: I love it. I love it. What made you decide to run for school board this year?
4: Well, I've always been involved in education with my kids. I was a room mom and PTO president and very active in raising money for the school. I've had experience. My children did not go to school in Wichita. Um, they gro- went to school in Louisiana, and I've had experience in both public and private schools. Okay. So I, uh, when we moved to Wichita, I wanted a little job. I was a business owner for 15 years, small business owner, and we moved to Wichita, and I wanted a little job, and so I got a job at um, in USD 259 at a Title One school, mm. and I worked there for three years, and I was very um, concerned about. The um, children. There was a lot of is is of course, Title One schools are low income and high risk students. Sure. And I was very concerned about um, their status and how the resources that they had, both at home and in school. The teachers their their um, tools are were limited, and they were spending a lot of money out of their pocket. And my husband would say. Um, I don't know how much money my wife makes, but I know all her money goes back to the school <laughs> because I was constantly providing materials for the classroom. And so one day I was working with one of the students and she was subtracting nine from 10 Sure. and she was using her fingers and I was, wow, I was like, wow, why are you using your fingers? You know what? And this is a fifth grader. Right. That concerned me. And every single day I would go home and complain to my husband. And he would say, you need to run for school board. You just need to run for school board. And I was at that point not in the, I didn't feel like I knew enough people. You know, I hadn't lived in Wichita very long. Sure. After being here for nine years and being very active in the community, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's time for me to speak up and be a voice for the students, their parents and teachers
1: How amazing. I love it. It, it, It's scary to me, as you mentioned, a fifth grader trying to do the uh, take away nine from 10. I mean, that's that's scary. That's concerning. Yeah. Yeah, On their fingers like that. What can we do from your perspective of what you have seen? I mean, what can be done to try and fine tune some of that curriculum to make, you know, get back to first and second graders being able to get to that point, not fifth graders? I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of a lag in the education system right now where we're not really. I don't know. The curriculum's different. I don't know if it's the common core style of math. I don't know if it's just being relaxed and not really enforcing. I mean, what can be done to try and kind of tighten that up a little bit?
4: Well, first of all, I one of the biggest problems that I see is social promotion. The kids are promoted whether they're qualified to move on to the next grade or not. The participation trophy. Right. And so I think the students need to be able to work at their pace. Mm. And if they're – I mean, I'm not saying have – fifth graders and second grade I'm not saying that but I'm saying that we need to find resources to be able to provide them an education that promotes them and their self-esteem and their you know a path to uh, success
1: yeah we've heard a lot of the participation trophy mindset in the sporting and extracurricular activities but actually in the classroom that's a concerning thought if it's actually there with our basic education system as well
3: yes it is.
1: wow Wow, that's unfortunate. Now, moving forward, you you had mentioned, let's talk about some of the budget for a second. You had mentioned just how much money you had to put back into your own classroom, and we've heard this story a lot. We always hear about the argument that we need to raise taxes so we can get more money to the school district because the teachers need more money and they need more raises and so on and so forth, but it never seems to go to the actual right. teachers. I don't understand why you have to sink any money into your own classroom, unless you want to do stuff on top of and above and beyond. But the basic necessities you think should be provided by the school district, why do you have to put any money back in right now?
4: Exactly. So first of all, I think the teachers are underpaid. I think they need to be paid more. Yeah. Um, I think that it's not about how much money that is allocated to each student. I think it's about how it's spent. Mm. I understand that the buildings have they they have um, they justify what teachers receive in their classroom for their spending for supplies Sure, I spoke to a couple of teachers recently one of them told me she had a hundred dollars a year the other one told me she had a hundred and fifty dollars a year <laughs> so that's why for
1: all the resources for, for all the resources oh my
4: and gosh. we're talking about at-risk kids under you know poverty in the title one in the title one schools we're talking these kids don't come in with any money they don't come with the supplies they need to start school you know, however, there are um, organizations that give donations, but that's a one-time thing usually. And so throughout the year, the teacher is constantly having to make up the difference, you know, for the students who aren't able to provide their
3: own supplies.
1: It almost sounds like we're trying to run a nonprofit here by giving you a certain limited $100 budget for the year, you know, fill up your classroom with that, and then asking for donations from different organizations to be able to provide stuff in the classroom. This is insane. It is This is insane. We have a record number of money sitting in the emergency fund in the safety net for the school district, and you can't get anything to, I mean, $100 would cover like the, the Clorox wipes and the magic marker to go on the board, and that's about it. Right. Wow. Yeah where is it going right now is it the the, the construction of the school buildings right now
4: well um, each student i believe is almost there I, I believe this year the budget allows for about 17,000 plus per student mm-hmm. around 4900 4800 somewhere r- roughly $5000 is actually goes to the student sure so i advocate that the monies that are allocated for the students should follow the students that the students that have like our special needs at risk, um, that those monies that are, that are for them should yeah. follow them. And, should follow them, yeah. And that there should be a transparency in where that money goes. and cause, Because I don't know. Sure. You know, I'm on the outside looking in. I can write it down on paper. I can read it on paper. But without being behind the closed doors and seeing exactly how they allocate those funds, yeah. I really can't tell you what the answer is.
1: It's a good question, yeah. Which leads me to my next question that I wanted to ask was the the idea of school choice and having that school voucher program, or as you mentioned, having a school, uh, emerge or a, a school savings account for children, a student savings account that we had talked about, and we tried at the legislative level this year in in uh, Topeka with our legislators, but unfortunately, weren't able to make that happen. But if we had the money for the student, just go into the savings account and say, all right, now. Any school that you want to go to, whether it's the private school near you, whether it's the charter school, the magnet school, the public school or a different public school in the area, creating that competition among them. Do you think that would help kind of raise that quality a little bit by schools? I mean, oh, hey, we had a 50 percent uh, enrollment decrease this year because students didn't want to come here. Oh, look, now we're going to be losing money. Guess we better start, uh, you know, uh, cleaning up our system. I mean, would that help a little right.
4: bit? Right. So I, I hear both sides. You know, when I decided to run for school board, I started really listening and asking questions. Basically, the parents want a better education for their kids. They want their kids to be successful and be ready for society. Our kids are graduating at a remedial level, so they're attending college at a remedial level. I understand that um, local entities who try to hire like like Cessna and you know Boeing, they try to hire our students and they're not qualified. They're struggling, yeah. Yeah, they can't even enter at an entry level. So um, I have you know spoken to. I've heard both sides. You know, I they say that if we uh, provide the them with that with the um, monies to go where they want to go to have school choice, that it takes away from the school budget. Sure, because there is a huge. I mean, you're talking seventeen thousand five hundred. Well, twelve. $100 of that amount goes towards the school building and um, salaries and, you know, maintenance. And so they're afraid it'll take away from their budget. But I think that, you know, being a parent of students that went to private school, that was a private, a personal choice. Sure. And though my children were well prepared for school. I don't know why our public schools cannot provide the same education as a private school. Yeah. I think we need to up our standards and have long-term goals that will provide success for our students.
1: If we're spending 17 grand a student, I would think that we'd have pretty much, you know, uh, private school level quality education there exactly. because a private school is what 10, 11 grand, you know, 12 grand to take a kid there. So we're spending more through the public system for less of a quality than just spending the money right. to go to a private school and get a solid education.
4: So that's right. And you know, our school system used to be on top. We used to be a, a top innovator in the education system. Yeah years ago and we are we have fallen and why what is the problem where is the hurdle where did it happen when did it happen and we need to identify that so that we can get back on top and really push our Teachers in our administration to make sure that that happens.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's take a break here, real quick. We're talking with Hazel Stabler, candidate for district number six for the USD 259. When we come back, I want to talk about you had mentioned it about working with businesses and with universities in the area to get them prepared for that and maybe some curriculum changes that we could do for the high school education to try and start working ourselves into the workforce, into higher education, into trade schools, even and see some of the opportunities we have in that field. 316 721 Talk. If you want to. Join in, ask a question, leave a comment as we get ready for election season, for the off season. Yeah, 2021, we have elections coming up. We'll talk about that and more when we come back here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker, KQAM. <laughs> Seven minutes to the top of the hour. Wrap it up hour number one. It goes by so fast. So fast, Aaron Candace Talk. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Lots to get to. We have Candace Attorney General Derek Schmidt coming up in hour number two. We have I want to get your thoughts on the discussion of the Sedgwick County Commission voting against the mask mandate yesterday. So kudos to them. We'll play some of the audio and we'll get your comments on that. And right now we're covering election coverage here. Hazel Stabler, candidate for district number six for USD 259 with that election coming up on November 2nd. Hazel, you had mentioned in the last uh, segment something that I've loved to focus on is getting us prepared for either higher education, trade schools or Into the workforce, and I think that we've done ourselves a major disservice by getting rid of some of the programs of auto shop or woodworking class or welding classes, yeah, home economics, just Mm -hmm. basic necessities for life skills that would get us either a job going out of high school if we chose to do that, or to go to a trade. I went to a trade school for broadcasting school Mm -hmm. after I spent two years drinking and you know for your university. I was like, (laughs) this is not working out. So, uh, but doing that or you know going to a, a higher education. Um, but but from your mind, what could we bring back into the um, freshman through senior years, getting ourselves prepared for that higher yeah. education or whatever comes after?
4: So um, our kids don't have, the, uh, because those programs have been taken out uh, and, and the focus, I really don't know what they're, what the focus of the schools are when they took all those programs out. I really don't yeah. know what the intent was. But without those programs, the kids, like you said, not everybody is a college um, perspective student. And the ones who are aren't ready. I had to learn the hard way on that one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm
1: $60,000 in student loan debt now. Exactly. I was at 80. I paid it down now. But that was two years of university. I'm like, you know, I'm not getting much out of this right now. Exactly. Yeah. So
4: uh, I actually sit on a board for Mays High School for, it's a, a board for, um, Interior design, apparel design. It's an advis- advisory board. Okay. And um, I think that it's a great idea because we need to uh, give our kids a something to that emulates professionalism
3: mm-hmm.
4: and that will promote or to will inspire them to do better in life. And like we said, not everybody is a college um, prospect. Perspec- they mm, sure, they're yeah. Not, they're not ready to go to college. They don't want to go to college. And so a trade school, a trade school should be available to, I actually went to trade school before I went to college and my, the summer yeah. before I went because my parents were very proactive in making sure that I w- had an education and sure. living, being Native American, my parents taught me that I had to live in two worlds. Sure. That I had to live in my, cult, my native world and the outside world to be successful sure. and find the balance. So we find need to find a balance for our kids and find, you know, I don't know if it's through testing or through, I really don't know where that was. bringing s-
1: some of those classes back would be nice. Yeah, I mean, we, in- we have the massive growing Wichita State University Technical School right now that's growing. I mean, I think there's a. Uh, lately, there's been an increase in interest in trade schools for the last few right. years because college is so expensive and you can go out getting, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 salaries, you know, for a year with whatever your job is. I mean, we, we just need to be prepared for it.
4: I had a conversation just a couple of days ago with a gentleman that was from Boeing mm. and he mentioned that the kids that they're getting, they can get p- kids or um, employees from all over the world. Outside, We're talking outside of the United States sure. who are qualified engineers. Can't find local kids that can qualify to work for them. They're they're having they go to four years of college, get an engineering degree, and they come to them, and they got to spend four more years to right. educate them and teach them to be engineers. So wow, um, it's just. Failing, and we need to find where
3: the root is
4: of yeah. the problem. Yeah,
1: we need to find the root of that problem for sure because we're we're doing ourselves a disservice and having to find other people to bring them in as opposed to actually having... Uh, because we talk about wanting to keep our youth right here in it's, our community, yes. and we're not doing that because we're not giving them the proper opportunity. Right. Yeah, it's unfortunate. we got just about 45 seconds left here, but uh, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to help out with your campaign, if they have questions, how can they reach out to you?
4: I'm on Facebook, Stabler for Schools, and... Um, my phone number's on there, my email, and they can call me, and I'm very happy to communicate with students, teachers, and parents.
1: I love it. Hazel Stabler, candidate for District Number 6, USD 259. I have a feeling that uh, we're going to be chatting a lot. I am fascinated by all the <laughs> stuff you do, so we're going to have some fun chats here in the near future. But good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you. Let's get you back on before the election again, and uh, we hopefully that uh, we can see some changes in the school district.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Hey, appreciate it very much. That's Hazel right there. We'll take a break. Top of the hour, right around the corner, hour number two of Kansas Talk. We got... Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. We got some tickets to give away. We got mask mandates in the community. We'll get your thoughts, open lines to you as well. It's a big hour number two right around the corner here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here.
0: This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: It is hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM KQAM. Happy Saturday morning to you. Trying to get you up and moving for the day. It's going to be a great weekend. Although I had some weather come through last night. Crazy, crazy. A little booming, some heavy rain. I guess we needed it. Trying to cool things down a little bit. Although it's going to be in the, uh, it's still going to be hot for a while. Low to mid 90s, I guess, for a while for the next week or so. That's exciting. Welcome into the show. Three one six seven two one eight two five five three one six seven two one. Talk. We've been rocking it already. First hour over and done, and it goes by way too fast. Thanks again to Hazel Stabler coming on the program. Thanks again to Kathy Bond coming on the program. Candidates for USD two five nine school district for districts number five and six. You can get more information now. Remember again. Anybody within the school district at all votes for all of the districts and all of the candidates. So you don't just, oh, I'm in district number one, I vote for district number one candidates. Oh, I'm district number two, I vote for district number two candidates. No, if you live in city limits and within USD 259 school district in any way, shape, or form, you vote for all of the candidates. So what we're going to do is at some point on social media we'll release the list of all the USD 259 candidates and which ones we've had on the program, which ones we're able to get on the program, and we'll get your thoughts on all of them, and we'll try and bring in as many as we can between now and November 2nd with those general elections that are coming up. So I know it's an offseason. I know that predominantly those are usually lower turnout elections, but that doesn't mean that you should not turn out for these because these are huge. They're, as Donald Trump would say, they're huge. They're bigly they're big, let me tell you, they're going to be the biggest, most important ones you've ever seen in your life. Because, because right now we have school board and city councils that are making vast decisions for us at the local level. They're making these decisions for us right now. We saw the city council, the county commission, the state legislature trying to do things based on um, this COVID garbage that's going on right now. And I have to give credit. I got. I didn't think that we would be able to do it. One vote difference, but by golly, it happened. The big news as of yesterday is the fact that we can thank our city, our county commission, our Sedgwick County Commission. We can thank them for voting three to two to not implement another mask mandate in our community. Thank you. Thank you. Common sense has finally prevailed, and it's been a while since we've seen common sense prevail. And our county commission for a while now. The city may try to do something. Who knows? But uh, I just I want to focus some time on this and get your thoughts. Maybe you're upset about it, Andy. We need mask mandates. We got to force everybody to wear the mask. Even though we had some great individuals show up to speak at the county commission meeting and even uh, read some of these stats directly from the CDC. That's like yeah, less than two percent difference of actually stopping the virus with mask mandates in certain communities across the nation. So, are they working? No. Why? Because we've talked about it so many times before, having a cloth mask does not stop an airborne virus when the virus is smaller than the fabric within the cloth mask. You still breathe it in. The only thing it stops is you like not sneezing on people, which you shouldn't be doing anyways. Maybe you should sneeze into your, you know, the, your elbow or into your shirt or, I don't know, do something like that. Maybe you shouldn't be sneezing into people like that or coughing on people because that's just common decency. That is the one and only thing that these cloth masks have done, but it does not stop a virus in any way, shape, or form because they're stupid. And I'm going to say it again. The cloth masks, when you walk into a store and they're like, oh, can you please wear a mask? And they hand you one, the cloth mask from the little box. Yeah, that doesn't do anything. The only thing it does is make you feel like you're doing something to help out humanity. It's not actually helping out humanity. You just feel like it, which I guess it's a mind over matter thing. You kind of manifest it. You kind of think that it's going to happen. So, therefore, it's going to happen because your mind's set to it and you put that out in the universe. So, I guess that's going to work for you. But, like, biologically, scientifically, it doesn't actually stop anything. So thank you, Cedric County Board and Cedric County Commission, for not voting for this mask mandate. Here's the ridiculousness that we're up against here in the county, unfortunately, and so many other counties across the nation right now. But we have our very own Dr. Mins, the Cedric County Health Director, uh, with the, that is just a month ago. If you remember, just a month, two months ago, when the Delta variant started to climb in the community, we started to see more cases come out. And he said, well, we could implement a mask mandate, but it wouldn't really do anything because you can't really enforce it and make people wear it. So it's not really worth actually trying to implement this mask mandate because no one would really follow it. We can't enforce it. So it really doesn't do anything. Yeah, he said that like 2 months ago. This is what he said yesterday on the phone at the meeting of the county commission.
5: The concern is if this increase in number of cases continues at the rate it's been increasing, our hospitals are going to be stretched and that is limiting their ability to take care of all the other conditions that require hospitalization.
1: All right, so that audio came from Cake News saying that he's putting stress on the hospitals, which yes, we are seeing an increase of hospitalizations. And they love to throw out that number. 97% of them were unvaccinated individuals trying to get their cute little push to get more individuals vaccinated, which, again, uh, that's only like a quarter of the story. So thanks for trying to manipulate the data, but at least, you know, you're trying to push your agenda by saying 97% of the hospitalized individuals with COVID are unvaccinated. Okay, but now we're talking about strained hospitals. What's causing these strained hospitals? Is it the massive increase in hospitalizations? There's been an increase. We're not at record, record levels by any means. We didn't have this issue this time last year, last fall, earlier this year in January. We didn't have this issue. We had strained hospitals, but not like this, where we're flying individuals, uh, flying patients out 600 miles away to other states. We didn't do that a year ago. So, what's changed? It's not the increase in hospitalizations from COVID. That's a portion of it, but that's not the whole story. So, again, the media is trying to manipulate just a little bit here, are they not? Because that's not the entire story. The entire story is we have a staffing shortage. Now, why do we have a staffing shortage? Individuals that are sick and burnout out from the COVID pandemic? Yeah, a little bit mandating nurses and doctors get the vaccine when they don't want to get the vaccine. The heroes from last year are now the jerks and the dirty, filthy, uh, unhumane, unclean human beings this year because now they won't get the vaccine. So now we're letting doctors and nurses go on paid leave or unpaid leave because they refuse to get the COVID-19 vaccine. That's probably part of it as well. Do we have individuals who have been holding off on medical treatment over the last year concerned of the COVID pandemic that are now going to the hospital that are not COVID? related, but are now coming in with other medical ailments. Ding, ding. I think we found a winner. We're seeing individuals in the hospitals have announced it themselves already that they were encouraging all this last year. Come in with your ailments. Come in with your illnesses. Don't, uh, don't put off your, your heart scan. Don't put off your mammograms. Don't put off this. Don't put off that. You need to come to the hospital if you're sick. But the prime example was last year we had no flu cases, none at all, zero, zilch. They even mention like, oh, we had, like, nobody come into the hospital for flu this year. That's kind of ironic. That's kind of interesting. We've never had that before. People are now going to the hospital with other ailments. Between that, between booting staff off of these staff because they refused to get the vaccine, the hospitals were full trying to catch up with all the illnesses that were in the community. Then the COVID cases spiked a little bit. We got a few more people into the hospitals that are COVID uh, positive that are sick, and now the hospitals are overwhelmed. It's not because of the outbreak and the massive swarming of hospitals from COVID-19 patients. That's maybe 10% of the issue it's a staffing shortage from other illnesses that are on the rise because people are holding off on medical treatments and it's because hospitals while they say they're short staffed and panicked and all of a sudden now it's a pandemic and it's an issue and it's a crisis they're kicking their own staff off the boards and out of the out of the uh, out of the hospital because they're not getting the covid-19 vaccine they're shooting themselves in the foot and then blaming society for not getting the vaccine do you see the manipulation within the stories here because the media's not going to report that they're trying not to, at least anyways. They've had to let it slip through the cracks here and there a little bit. But when we have an increase in other illnesses, now all of a sudden we're overwhelmed with the few more COVID patients that are coming in. And then they use it of oh, 97% of those are unvaccinated. Better go get your vaccine because then you're just going to show up in the hospital if you don't. When that's just not the case. The Delta variant has the lowest death rate out of all the variants so far at 0.03 to 0.08%. But yet we need to get the vaccine for that. Oh, that's right. Jim Howell said it perfectly yesterday.
6: All those people that really want uh, masks to be the answer tonight. One of my questions is, to what extent? What's the thresholds we're going to use to trigger this type of order tonight and then come back out of it
5: again? Because COVID is not going away.
1: That's what we have to realize. We have to come to that conclusion. Now, COVID is not going away. It's an airborne virus. It is going to be in the air floating around. And I've mentioned this before, but yet, and I've heard this from many other medical experts. You stick your arms out uh, around you and create a little bubble, you know, with the extent, the length of your arms. There are trillions of bacteria and viruses in that little bubble around you right now. There are more viruses and bacteria in that little bubble surrounding you that you're breathing in right now than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. That's how many there are. Now COVID is part of that. The COVID, back, the COVID virus is now part of that. You will never get rid of it. So you put another mask mandate in place. What's the threshold to make it go away? 0% of people in the hospital? 0% positivity rate? What do you do? Because there are more variants coming out every single day. Largely because of vaccines coming out because that's how viruses actually stay in existence is try to mutate so that way they can stay in certain hosts while vaccines are trying to kill them off. So we create the superbugs ourselves by making vaccines. That's just common sense in the medical world already. But we've seemed to ignore that uh, idea with the COVID thing because all of a sudden we wanted to eradicate it when you just can't do that. We have to come to, uh, uh, come to an understanding that we need to get back to business as normal without any more mandates or requirements on vaccines or masks. Because the virus is never going away. We have to learn to now coexist with this thing. And the only way we can do that is what I've been trying to advocate for is personal health. Based on dietary, based on exercise, based on lifestyle, based on the vitamin pushing, based on trying to push up your vitamin D deficiencies and vitamin C deficiencies. Trying to actually get your body healthy again so that way it's just another flu or just another thing where it's a nuisance. It's there, but it's not going to be detrimental to you. That's the only thing you can do. Because it's never going away. That is the one and only solution, at least in my mind. I could be wrong. People have called me crazy for it for the last few months. I don't really care. Uh, They can say that I'm just misleading people, that I'm just uh, trying to lie to people, that I'm just trying to lead people down the wrong path and kill them because I just don't care about humanity. I've been called called every name in the book because that's my philosophy, but I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to continue to stand on that because you cannot wear a mask the rest of your life because virus is never going away. You will come in contact with it. You will be exposed to it. You will get it. It's whether your body's going to know how to fight it or whether they're not going to know how to fight it. And I'm not advocating for you not to get the vaccine. If that's what you feel you need to do, get it. But thank God our Cedric County Commission is starting to see some reason and realize this isn't going away And what kind of threshold would you put in place here? Just because the hospitals are overwhelmed, don't blame it on COVID solely because that's only a small portion of what's going on in our hospitals, and you're not willing to actually admit that. I do have to give massive credit as well to individuals that showed up to the Sedgwick County meeting yesterday and actually talked as well, saying that that finally, what we've said here, civil disobedience, not abiding by it, and people are sick and tired of it. They want to go back to normal, and there were a lot that said that at the meeting yesterday. I will never comply to this. I will never wear a mask, and I will never make my kids wear a mask. That's what everybody needs to do. Every single person, if you put this mandate in place, great, I'm not abiding by it. Make the hungry, the power-hungry bureaucrats, make the power-hungry administrators, make the power-hungry politicians powerless. They can pass whatever mandate they want. Mandates are not laws, and therefore, I'm not going to abide by it. I will not wear this mask if you tell me to do so i don't care what you do to me kick me out of society isolate me in the woods thank god because it's about time 316-721-8255 316-721 talk agree disagree i want to get your thoughts on this let's go to the phones here shall we line number
6: one good morning who's this this is frederick frederick how are you sir i am fine and i'm glad that uh I'm pleasantly, first of all, I'm pleasantly surprised about the actions of the county commission. Yeah. But I'm very thankful because all of my life I've called on store managers because of the line of business that I was in. And I still maintain those. Uh, relationships with store managers. So during the past year I've visited with store managers and I can tell you that they are very much relieved right now because they do not want confrontation in their stores. They don't want to have to have an employee at the front or signs at the front saying you have to wear a mask. In other words, they would, they have told me and store managers of very large stores have told me I would much rather have it be an individual's personal uh, conviction, whatever they own. If they want to come in with a face mask, that's beautiful. If they don't, that's beautiful. The only thing I want to do is get back to normal and do what I'm supposed to do, and that is supply the product that I'm selling to the public. And I can't do that if I'm spending 50% of my time trying to...
1: Worrying about masks.
6: Not only, yes, and another thing is, they have to give up resources, pe- individuals. In other words, one store manager told me that I have to take it three employees that have – that were supposed to be doing some other job. I have to have them at the front door uh, trying to get people to wear masks, yeah. and I am just very thankful. And another thing is that um, I, I was I watched the entire meeting, and I thought to myself, I am not – going to wear a mask that means that i'm going to have to have a confrontation every time i walk into a store and the only thing the way to get away from that which jim howell said was in the fedwick county you're wearing a mask but if you go up to newton you don't you go over to andover you don't and you go further out west you don't so you'd much rather just go to go shopping in other surrounding uh communities where you don't have to wear a mask. Anyway, Andy, um, I sincerely appreciate you. By the way, you've had some excellent individuals on for the school board. That
3: Thank you. No yeah.
6: mask. No mask. And like you, I'm pleasantly surprised, and I'm very thankful because um, no mask. And, and for the schools, I've talked to my children, my grandchildren that go into school, and they said some of them wear masks, which is fine. And others do not wear masks, which is fine. Sure. just whatever they want to do, and it's much 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 better than trying to wear a mask all day long. And one of my grandchildren says, "Yes, I do wear a mask, but but you know, Grandpa," uh, she said. Uh, now I wear it for about fifteen minutes, and I take it off, and I'll put it on for maybe five minutes and take it off. And she's able to do that. Sure. So no mask, no mask mandate. Uh, thank you, Jim How and those other two county commissioners surprised me. Yeah. And, of course, uh, that one female lady, oh, she <laughs> – I don't know. She is a drama queen, if I've ever seen a drama queen. And I don't know what in the world she's doing up there. But she everything is a crisis for her.
1: Yeah, it, it's <laughs> wild. And I will say, Lacey Cruz, I, I will say, however, that she did um, – she has come a little more rationale. I still don't agree with her politics in any way, shape, or form. But she has come from – uh, the mindset that, like Jim Howell and the others, are like the evil, you know, insider, evil, terrible, horrible human beings to now wanting to work with some of them on certain issues. So she's slowly coming around, maybe not ideologically, but at least uh, willing to work on certain issues with certain county commissioners when it fits the agenda. So at least I'll give her that credit. But you're right, it's the end of the world. It's a crisis. Oh my God, we're all going to die. But yet, now I will say that she's the same one that has a band and sings and has been going to clubs and bars around the community singing without a mask. <laughs> Without a mask. Oh,
6: <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Come on, man. It's for you people to do, but not for me. Hell, look at me. I don't have to wear it because I am so-and-so. Yeah. You know, but anyway, yeah, Lacey, uh, uh, she is coming around, you know, and what, su- what kind of surprised me was that she was the one that brought up the O'Donnell deal, which, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble or anything, but uh, mm-hmm. it, that, was the, that was the most are
1: you serious?
6: Yeah, you know, kind of a deal that. Yeah. Somebody I'm... that. You 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 know what I mean? It's like, what? what? Yeah, she's you know,
1: she surprises everybody on a daily basis. But uh, you know what? God bless her, and uh, we'll we'll get her around. We'll bring her to our side. We'll bring her to the dark side here eventually. Frederick, I got to take a break. I appreciate. It. But you're absolutely right, and I appreciate that call, and I appreciate that statement. Is that no mask? Whether they pass the mask mandate or not, no mask, and it does keep the businesses from being put in that hot spot because there are so many that are refusing to wear the mask that businesses realize that if they mandate it for their customers, customers are going to walk right out the store and go somewhere else uh, to businesses that are defying that because now there is a tear even with those even defying the mask mandates from the county and from the city where they just don't want to do it. So kudos to the county commission for, uh, you're right, I was pleasantly surprised because I did expect that mandate to actually pass. I really did. And shame on Dr. Mins from just a month or two ago saying, there's no reason, no point to pass a mask mandate. We can't enforce it. There's no reason to do it There's unless everybody does it. It's really no point. And then turning around and saying, oh, well, the hospitals are really full from all these COVID patients. We better do this. Back and forth. Guy has no idea what he's doing. Uh, it is that time. So let's go ahead and do this thing.
0: Yeah. Call now at 721-8255. Right here on KQAM. That's
1: what I'm talking about. So we have a four-pack of your tickets to Monster Trucks at the Kansas State Fair. It is the first weekend of the Kansas State Fair coming up on September 12th. Uh, September 11th and 12th is the very first kickoff weekend of the Kansas State Fair. And we have a four-pack of tickets for you to go to the Monster Trucks that are presented by the Mid-America Network and KQAM KGSO Radio as we're the sponsors of that great fun event. It's going to be at the Grandstands at 3 p.m. on Sunday, September 12th at the Kansas State Fair. we got a four-pack for you right here. So let's do caller number two. Caller number two at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, and we'll get you the very first four-pack of tickets to the uh, the Monster Truck Rally at the Kansas State Fair here on KQAM. All right, we have our winner for the Monster Truck, so appreciate that. We'll maybe do one more giveaway before the end of the show. Plus, you can listen to John Wright every morning, 6 to 8 a.m., as he starts giving those away throughout this week as well getting closer to kansas state fair season bottom of the hour news right around the corner here when we come back kansas attorney general Derek schmidt will chat with him also get the latest from what governor kelly mentioned about mask mandates for schools going into the fall semester it's kansas talk here on kqam stay here <laughs>
0: kansas talk with andy hoosier on the big talker kqam
1: welcome back into the program thanks for hanging out last half hour of the show flies right on by if you know what i mean goes by way too fast 316-721-8255 316-721-talk if you want to join into the program we'd love to hear from you for a little bit as well try to cramming so much into this program we do have i don't know if you heard at the top of the hour on our cbs news coverage (laughs) They quoted Governor Laura Kelly with her statement yesterday encouraging all school districts to implement mask mandates. It's funny how now she does it. I don't know if you recognize the timing on that one. Enrollment for school is over. And most parents that showed up to school board meetings and fought against mask mandates, most of them chose to put their kids back into the school and not do virtual and not do homeschooling and not do magnet schools and not do other options because the school said they would not do mask mandates. So what do they do? They enrolled them into the school district. Now the school district has their money for the enrollment, and now they're going to get their money because of the enrollment, because they make their money based on how many kids enroll in the school district. So... Uh, This is typical lying manipulation from the from the school district and from the Democrats and from the progressives and from Governor Kelly. Is you wait until after the you know we don't need it. We're not going to do that. We're not going to. It's going to be up to each individual one. Some of them thought about it, but then just strongly recommended, but didn't actually mandate because you know terrible idea for you as the parent to make the ultimate decision on if you want your kid breathing in through a mask all day long with all the crap that's going to be in their mask. I, I know. I know. So, you know, ironic that we wait until after the beginning of the school year, a week after, and then the governor's like, well, the case isn't really high. I guess we better start mandating masks in the schools. And I encourage every school district to start mandating the masks. Why? Because we've already enrolled all the students, and the school districts are now getting all their money from the Federal Department of Education based on those enrollment numbers. And now you can start. So if, the, if you pull your kids out now, then, oh, well, we started, still got the money for it. One less kid we don't have to teach. This is the dirtiness of this game. This is the dirtiness of politics, and this is what Governor Kelly, while she says she's not there to play politics, she is the most spiteful political player out there in the state of Kansas. And that's what she's done. So it's not surprising. And again, false information about why the hospitals are overrun by uh, non-vaccinated COVID-19 patients. False information on what the masks can actually do for the children. False information on the detrimental impacts it could potentially or not have on the children as well. So shame on her. We'll talk about that here. In just a few minutes, but we did sit down earlier yesterday with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. A lot of things going on on the legal side in the state of Kansas as he continues to battle some of those good fights from that office. As we sat down with him yesterday, this is what Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt had to say here on Kansas Talk. Now, how are you, my friend?
7: I'm doing great, Andy. Good to
1: be back with you. Yeah, it's always great to talk with you. There's always a lot to talk about. And uh, as we mentioned, I mean, you're always busy working on some stuff. Let's start off with some national issues and some ways that Candace is partnering and working with other states, which is a really good thing to hear with uh, the tie of different uh, different states working together to try and promote uh, conservatism, certain values. But, of course, the big issue that we've seen and still kind of lingering from last year is election laws across the nation. We see Arizona going through their audit right now. We see uh, the legislation being passed in Texas and in Florida and in Georgia right now with different election laws and changes within their own states. Right now you're working on, uh, some of the case with uh, with the state of Georgia right now, aren't you? What's the latest going on with some of this?
7: That's it. You know, Kansas has done a great job, I think, over the years in keeping our election integrity, election security laws up to date. I like to say our guys do preventative maintenance on a regular basis. And uh, that's why we haven't had some of the types of problems in Kansas that we've seen in places like Pennsylvania or concerns like in Georgia, Arizona, that sort of thing. This year, our guys did that again. I say our guys, I mean our legislative leaders. Uh, They, again, did that preventative maintenance, some, I think, very modest but reasonable steps to tighten up a few election security provisions. And what's different this year is we got hit with two lawsuits before those bills even uh, went into effect. That's part of the national mood right now, where there's just such a, a battle of the elephants, so to speak, Uh, uh, you know, the the big folks nationally, the Republicans, the Democrats, right, the left, and the left is just vicious right now in terms of their attack on state election integrity laws. And so because of that, we have now become, we're not just defending our law, we're now becoming more engaged in these sorts of fights in other states on the theory that uh, we want to help states like Georgia defend their very similar laws so that it deters, uh, Challenging Georgia laws to then come to Kansas and challenge ours. And the latest is the U.S. Department of Justice has filed suit against Georgia. I think that's really out of bounds. The Georgia election the law changes they made are very much in the mainstream of where states are around the country in terms of limiting um, uh, uh, advance voting within ranges that are very common, in terms of restricting ballot harvesting. Yeah. And so uh, I, I don't think there's a basis for DOJ, and we're really helping Georgia push back.
1: That is really nice. I, I would like the idea of Kansas kind of being the uh, the example for many other states to take hold with some of our voter ID laws that we do have, some of the laws that we just passed recently in the state with trying to limit the ballot harvesting. Have you heard from other states trying to uh, figure out ways to try to tighten up their system and maybe looking at Kansas as is that example?
7: Well, I don't know about the looking at Kansas part. I'm not sure who may be consulting with each other in terms of our our election officials or in terms of our legislators. But it is the case that a lot of uh, like-minded states are moving in the same direction with very similar policies—not identical, but similar. And again, that's the case in Georgia, where you know some of the changes they've made after the last uh, election this past fall are very similar to laws we either have on the books or are putting on the books in Kansas. Another reason, we really want to stand with them on the front lines and push back against the Biden administration, who's, who's challenging those things. Yeah, I don't think they have a legal basis for it. I think Georgia's going to prevail.
1: Yeah, that's very true. What would you be able to do, worst case scenario, let's say that like H.R. 1 passes at the federal level, trying to centralize elections at the federal government level, which I know the Democrats are trying to push up there. If that was the case, being Attorney General, would there be something that we could do to try and stop that and fight that at the statewide level?
7: You bet. In fact, a group of like-minded state attorneys, general, other Republicans, uh, and I joined together, oh, it's been several months ago now, and uh, in a letter put the the Democrat leadership in the U.S. Senate and the House on notice that if they were to pass H.R. 1 or S. 1, the two big uh, Democrat election reform bills or power grabs in Washington, we're going to sue them. Uh, At the end of the day, the U.S. Constitution places primacy for uh, administering uh, federal elections with the states and that wasn't an accident it was done deliberately precisely to prevent the the consolidation of power in a single place you don't want the folks who benefit from election laws members of congress uh, federal government to be also the ones who have the principal role in writing those election laws or there's a natural human tendency to uh, aggregate power and to do things to their advantage which is exactly What's happening with HR1 and S1? So, we'll challenge them if they were to go that direction, and I think we'd have a very good basis uh, for some of those challenges.
1: Boy, I love that. Maybe we can actually stop some of this garbage coming out of the federal level. That'd be really nice. Let's bring it back to, to the home front here and talk about some issues here in the state of Kansas. So the last time we talked last month, there was an issue with uh, some of the uh, some of the attorneys in certain counties not wanting to follow through with. Uh, Actually, wanting to enforce certain election laws. And then we, of course, have SB 40, where we're trying to be challenging court right now with our Kansas Emergency Management Act on how dare we try to challenge mask mandates in schools and have to actually have to have a decision within a certain amount of time uh, that they say is bogging things down. Where are we with some of these? And are we getting on track? Are things running relatively smooth? And with the governor potentially wanting to implement new. Uh, mandates and actually uh, declare another state of emergency because of COVID. Uh, does she have the ability to do that with this kind of lingering in court right now?
7: Well, there's a lot of ambiguity in the law because the Johnson County District Court that struck down part of Bill 40, which was the, the Checks and Balances Bill, the Emergency Management Reform Bill, the, the the opinion is just so imprecise. It's hard to read it and know exactly what the court did. And so there are some folks that think it was a very narrow opinion, only struck down the timelines for challenging those local decisions like you referenced. There are others who read it and think the entire Emergency Management Act has now been invalidated, and we actually don't have any checks on the governor's power. I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't think either of those extremes is likely true, but we've really got to have some clarity, and that's why we've appealed that case to the Kansas Supreme Court. We've asked for an expedited review. Uh, The court granted that request. Now, expedited for you and me in the real world might be a little different from expedited in the legal system, but we expect we'll be done with the briefings, the written arguments on that case by mid late September, and then uh, sometime in the fall we'll get a decision. We've also asked our court. Yeah, I would. We've also asked our court, uh, the Supreme Court, Kansas Supreme Court, to stay the decision below, to put it on hold, yeah. which would leave the, the pre-decision status quo in place while this appeal plays out. So far, the court hasn't agreed to that, but I, I really remain somewhat hopeful about that. They haven't denied it. They just sort of set it on the back burner and said, we'll answer that later. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful on this. Look, here's the big picture on this. The legislature this past year made a decision, and the governor signed it into law. So everybody affected, both parties, uh, came to an agreement, even if it wasn't, you know, uh, optimal from one of their vantage points. They all put their name on the dotted line, and the bargain was: we're going to have additional checks on the governor's power, her, her centralized state-level power in the emergency, and mainly the check is she's got to have legislative approval to exercise those emergency powers again. Yeah. And in exchange for that, we're going to push a lot of these decisions down locally, whether it's mask mandates in schools or in communities or other mitigation procedures. We're going to make sure that local elected officials, not just appointed officials, are ultimately responsible. And then we're going to allow them to make their decisions based upon the community dynamics and here's the important part. We're going to set up this special procedure by which citizens in those communities who are aggrieved by those local decisions get expedited easier access to the court to ask a judge to take a look at what those local authorities have done. That bargain, while messy, made a lot of sense. It's very much a local community-by-community decision-making, empowering people to make sure everybody has a voice in that process. And what's happened here is that the district court has invalidated the last step, and so that fouls the bargain. And to get that bargain put
1: back into place. Now, again, just kind of refresh my memory, is when someone challenges that, and this is sitting in court, does it knock down the entire SB40 uh, bill and everything that's in it, or just that portion of it?
7: Well, that's the $64,000 question, as they used to say. Um, you know, the, the district court's decision from Johnson County is, is not a model of clarity. It's very difficult to read it and come away knowing exactly what the court did. Gotcha. We know that the court intended to invalidate the enforcement provisions in Senate Bill 40, the, the expedited review in court. But we can't tell with certainty whether the court also invalidated the rest of Senate Bill 40 some of which had nothing to do with these expedited review provisions. So the state of the law is really in flux right now. And, of course, the other question is, uh, does that Johnson County District Court decision apply anywhere outside of Johnson County? Or are the other 104 counties in the state still at liberty (laughs) to uh, rely on Senate Bill 40 and fight these same battles and maybe get different outcomes with different courts in different areas? So it's a terribly messy and uncertain situation, and that's why we're trying to get as quick as possible an answer from the Kansas Supreme Court on what exactly the law is right now.
1: Oh, don't we love those muddy waters when it comes to litigation like that? That's we, <laughs> I'm sure that makes
7: uh, your job easier. <laughs> well, you know, from a litigation standpoint, of course, we don't mind. We do this sort of thing every day. But the problem is real people in the real world, kids going back to school, you've got yeah. – COVID case numbers going up. You've got very different opinions in some different communities around the state on what ought to be done about it. And even everybody who's trying to do the right thing and doing their absolute best in good faith, they don't know what the rules are. And it's just, it's, it's really tragic because it's, unnecessary confusion and strain that could have been avoided, and we're trying to get it
1: fixed. Well, exactly. It it unfortunately happened at the worst possible time as we go back into school for the fall semester, so it is frustrating because it is hitting the down-home individuals on an everyday basis. We're talking with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. Last question before we let you go. I know you're busy, and I really appreciate the time here. Let's talk about some of the – we talk a lot about this on the air uh, throughout the week Is a lot of scams going on in the state of Kansas and, of course, robocalls, which we get a lot of those. I don't know how many robocalls I've gotten – Over the last couple of weeks on my phone. And they're all three one six numbers for the Wichita area. Uh, And now I know we've talked about trying to like ban telemarketers to from looking like they're local to try and uh, 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 trying to entice you to actually pick up the phone. But they're still happening. Are we working on anything to try and stop that so we can actually know if it's a telemarketer or not?
7: You bet. It is such an enormously frustrating situation. And here's the problem. This is, this is a technology problem. It's not a law enforcement problem. I know people sometimes raise an eyebrow when I say this, but it's true. We still enforce the anti-robocall laws, the telemarketing laws, uh, the do not call list. And, and we do it vigorously. The problem is technology has enabled these bad operators to step up the volume so high, there's no way we're ever going to fix this problem by chasing them down after the fact. The number of calls coming into the United States to your phone and to mine and to your listeners' phones every month are in the tens of billions on peak months and in the ordinary billions in other months. And, and it's just – it's a huge volume. So technologically-enabled problem has to have a technologically-enabled solution. That's why we've worked with the uh, major telecom companies over the last about four years. They agreed to put in place some what I call super call tracing and blocking technology for those of us that aren't really you know, technologically savvy – And they're doing it. Congress then came in and codified that, required it by federal law. And here's the latest issue. Uh, Some of the telecom companies, the smaller ones, got a reprieve. They got extra time to get this call blocking technology in place. Uh, We're now asking that that be accelerated because we think they're in a position they can get it done a year earlier, which would be sometime mid-next year. And the goal, bottom line, is that when you get that phone call and your caller ID shows a number, that that is a true number. But if you get a call from a 316 number, it will actually be from a 316 number, not a spoofed call coming from Central Asia or somewhere. That's the objective, so that then your call blocking, and your personal screening can actually function. So a lot of words, a lot of work, very indirect, but uh, everybody's, I think, pulling in the same direction. We've just got to get the right technology deployed
1: little by little i know it's always a, a kind of a game of cat and mouse with uh, with scammers with telemarketers and as we create stuff then they find ways to get around it and then we got to find that so i know it's a back and forth and it's a work in progress and we appreciate what you guys do on that issue. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, it's always great to talk to you, my friend. We appreciate the time you give us. Keep up the fight because we've said it before, the Attorney General's office is really like one of the most important positions that we could have right now, and it's, it's extremely important to have that fight on the legal side to try and keep some government powers at base. We appreciate what you do, my friend.
7: Thank you, Andy. Great to visit with you. We'll talk to you next time.
1: All right, there it is, Candace Attorney General Derek Schmidt. We appreciate his time very much. Always good to chat with him on a semi-monthly basis or so as we get an update on what's going on in the Attorney General's office and fighting the good fight on the legal front. We'll take a break, get ready to wrap up the show today for a Saturday here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Back in just about six minutes to the top of the hour, wrapping up the show today on Kansas Talk here at the Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have you join us today. We always love it. Uh, Coming up next week, make sure to stay tuned in. we got lots more. We'll try and get maybe Jim Howell, Sedgwick County Commissioner, on the program to talk about the latest vote on the County Commission as well. So uh, we'll cover that. We'll have a lot more uh, trying to cover some of the uh, COVID stuff. The latest from Governor Kelly since apparently she made national news. I'm sure she's pretty proud of that. Hey, national news covering my. I really laid down the law asking those local school boards to pick up that mask mandate. I really told them what was up so much that they even picked me up on the national news. She kind of gets excited about that stuff, doesn't she? It's kind of interesting. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Open line to you at 316 721 8255 for the last few minutes of the program. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this?
5: Good morning, Andy.
1: It's Nick. Nick, what's going on, sir? How are we doing?
5: I'm all right. How are you?
1: I live in the dream every day, man.
5: (laughs) man. Amen. You know, it seems the Republican Party should uh, start to look at being proactive here because it seems to me that if we don't have any statutory speedy trial rights at this time, and the Emergency Management Act is in judicial limbo, which every citizen should take a look at that while they're debating it and everything, um, and the enforcement issues everything, when is this uh, constitutional crisis of having the State National Guard come up against the county sheriff and the posse that um, he or she has attained to say, no, governor, you can go pound sand when it comes to local control. But um, Andy, uh, you know, we we do have these other bigger issues, uh, border security with people coming in uh, with masks on, able to you go about, you know, just all kinds of stuff, but I appreciate your show. I appreciate Derek coming on and uh, you know, I'll talk with you if you got a couple of minutes, otherwise, whatever.
1: Yeah, we got about a minute or so here before we have to wrap up so we can kind of wrap this up. But you're right. I mean, now we have bigger pressing issues. As I mentioned before, it's time for us to get back to normal as normal. No mandates open things up. Just do our thing and recognize that COVID is an airborne virus like the flu and everything else. It's going to be lingering and we can't stop it. So we just have to learn to live with it and adapt to it, which is just what the biological world does. So that needs to be put on the side shelf and start addressing major issues. I mean, we have the Afghanistan issue now. We have the border crisis that's going to lead to potential threats in the country as well. And that's what we need to start focusing on. That plus the economy.
5: Absolutely. And then one other thing that's getting kind of popular with some traction is the mental health and substance disorder stuff. And what is a crime and then you know taking orders from unelected bureaucrats and the FDA and the DEA. And we can go in the natural versus synthetic arena or diagnostic inflation using the diagnostic fiscal manual for mental disorders. But that's probably a conversation for another day. God bless you, Andy. I love you, and uh, you have a good day.
1: Weekend. Hey, you as well, my friend. It's always good to talk to you guys, so we appreciate that very much, and it's always good to hear from you. You're right. Those are conversations that we could spend another two hours on by themselves. So until then, guess we'll just have to do that another time. Until then, we're back at it on Monday for the voice reason at 4 p.m. Stay tuned in for that one. Candice Talk next Saturday as well, 9 to 11. Joe Pags live with the weekend right around the corner here on KQAM, followed by your tech guy, Leo Laporte, and your best. Stuff with Dan Bongino. Until now, Andy Hoosier, this is Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Everybody have a wonderful weekend.